Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss the technical and people side of safety. Safety should be your primary leadership tool for discovering more about your people and culture. Your host is Dr. Mark French, also known as the Safety Dude. Mark is a credentialed, experienced, and passionate professional with experience in automotive, food, chemical, nuclear, e-commerce, and energy sectors. He is going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety based on industrial and organizational psychological theories. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in people management and how they impact our everyday workplace. And welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety Podcast. Hey, I'm Mark. I am your host, and I am so happy you have chosen to join me again for another episode of the podcast. So let's jump on in and start talking about kind of what I had planned for this week on the podcast. It uh, really came from a couple of different news stories. Uh, The first one, and both of them related, of course, uh, a couple of very large organizations that have been having some OSHA trouble for years and years and years. And I think there's some simple explanations. I think there's some simple fixes out there that we can learn from. And I think that's the goal that I keep trying to refine of what do I want this to be? Is it me just rambling all the time, which could be interesting. (laughs) It could be very interesting. Or do I want it to actually have some substance? I I do want to give you some, I hope you come away with something every week that you can try, do or learn or find interesting, or hopefully it's not just a complete waste. Uh, Hope not. So Amazon was in the news again for OSHA violations, and they continue to see these across the nation as it appears the federal part of the government is federal OSHA is focusing on looking at Amazon and their practices and what's happening in the warehouses because of the high injury rate. Uh, it, it's been estimated that at times that it could be five times the same style of work, that they have five times the injuries that end up on an OSHA log. And that's significant. That's a lot comparatively, but they also have a lot of people who are working there. They, they employ a lot of people in those organizations. Is there a lot of repetitive motion? Absolutely. There's a lot of work that is very repetitive and very fast paced. And that's where a lot of the fines came from was ergonomic issues that identified ergonomics that should have been corrected that were not, or should have had a different approach to it that was still creating injuries. So they started focusing on where are the injuries coming from? How have you educated And what have you done to remedy it? The other one, and kind of on the other spectrum of it, is the Dollar General. There again showed up in the news for pretty much the same items where access to egress, safety data sheets, and also aisleways, like working aspects of the work. And I think both of these come together to show a very interesting picture of how we get goods 
in the United States? How do we receive them? We have one that's an e-commerce giant, one that is kind of a rural area, very helpful to a lot of rural areas that that have to drive a long ways to get to a store. They provide usually convenient locations to find your basic needs and beyond in a lot of cases. So full disclosure, uh, I did work for Amazon for years ago, so I don't want to cloudy the water there. I've been there. I've seen it. I was in the safety department. Uh, with the Dollar General, I live in a very rural area. I depend on a dollar. I'm so happy there's one, actually, because it instead of a 30-minute drive for me to get uh, anything, like even to go buy a soda or a anything I would need for the home, I now only have a five-minute drive because they do service the more rural areas. So I see this and I understand it, and there are some solutions out there, and it seems to be even getting a little bit more where there's a lot more pressure from OSHA and the government for these practices to change. So we'll start with with Amazon and the repetitive motion aspect of it. It is very fast-paced. There, there are some very scientific calculations that go into the pace at what they do. They try to base things on what is happening within the organization. There can be some numbers that are skewed there. And certainly we, we push for productivity we in all organizations we all want to be more productive that's how you you grow essentially uh at the dollar general you see yeah there's always a cart that has been out there been open and is there kind of where it shouldn't be because there's usually limited staffing uh in, in a lot of cases and so the person that's stocking is also running the cash register and so they had to bounce back and forth, which leaves things, plus a very high inventory level to keep things in stock because as a consumer, we want things in stock. And so the exits get blocked. They don't keep up with their SDSs as they get new cleaning chemicals and new chemicals that come into the store. And then there's always stuff in process being worked on. And then usually they're pretty small. I mean, they keep pretty tight aisles so they can put more stuff in there that people may need or people may buy. So there's this problem of is it space? Is it time? Is it people? And I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at this from a theoretical standpoint as I'm not the guy, I haven't diagnosed it, but I'm reading about it. I'm seeing it. I've looked at it. It's people. And it is our fundamentally, whether it be we can't find people or we're not hiring people. And I think that's a fundamental issue is are you staffed appropriately? And I have seen, and this is me speculating. I am, there is certainly there has been trouble with hiring. We know that we have seen it. There was the great resignation. There is this new quiet quitting trend that's going on where people are just hanging out that their job and just letting it ride. And if I lose it, I lose it. If I keep it, Hey, great. But I'm tired of putting the effort into what I'm doing. This all comes down to people and it comes down to one, can we find people? Two, can we empower them and get them where they need to be to be working? Because one of the items that I continually see as an issue is this idea of that we, we can do more with less. And when it comes to safety, that is not always true. When it comes to people, that is not always true. Financially, it looks fantastic because people are expensive. On the other hand, there is an other cost involved when you don't have the people that you need to run the organization effectively. 
And so again, here I am going to speculate and there is some data that might suggest that I'm in the ballpark, but I'm not going to claim that I am absolutely 100% correct here. But one, it's hard to find the right people, like getting people in the door to hire. But secondly, I think there's a message there that basically the organization is saying, well, this is what we've calculated as super profitable. This is how we can be super profitable and have fewer people. That has led them to be significantly understaffed for what they really need. And if you don't have enough people, you simply go in there and you ask the ones that are existing to work harder or you set standards that require them to work faster, harder, better, do more, take on more. And I remember there were calculations at one time, and this was a manufacturing line that you wanted people to be somewhere between 85, uh, 80 to 85% full. So when you did the calculations, you, you kept them at 80% busy all day long, but you gave them some downtime. And it feels like 20 years later, <laughs> from where I was remembering some of this and I may be remembering it wrong, but it really feels that we are now demanding more. Like we want people to be like all the time, busy, 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 busy. Like you should be, if you're at work, you are 100% at capacity all the time. And that feels wrong for a lot of ways uh, from a rest period, from a mental health, from anything. Yeah. You want to get the work that you expect, but you also have to have that respect for the human being. Let's chat more about respect and see, this is taking a whole new approach. We'll come back. We'll talk more. I'll try to crystallize what I'm talking about in the second half of the leading and learning through safety podcast. DSDA consulting, learn you lead others. The Myers-Briggs type indicator is an amazing tool. Problem is that it can be easily misinterpreted. Dr. Mark French is MBTI certified and ready to help you discover your inner strengths. The MBTI assessment can help with team building, stress management, communication, conflict management, and so much more. Individual and group sessions are available to help you discover what makes you great. For more information, visit us on the web at tsdaconsulting.com. All right. Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So I set up the first half of the episode, and I'm not sure I set it up exceptionally well, uh, thinking about, so I read two articles about e-commerce and physical brick-and-mortar buildings and the problems they're having with OSHA. That, and it's not really problems with OSHA. It's, it's legal problems, and OSHA's finding them and signing them for it. And what are they, can they do about it? And fundamentally, I come back to the idea of people. And if there is not enough people to effectively do the work, there becomes unsafe habits. We forget about the core aspects of how do we, you can't have the same person that's doing all the work, also doing the cleaning, also keeping up with the SDSs. There is a certain limit to where we can push people to where they physically can't do it. And, and they'll go then to where, basically, where are the complaints coming from? And in a retail store, the complaints come from, well, where's, where's the stuff on the shelf? Do you have it in the back? Can you go look for me? Well, the goal then, and the focus to reduce upsetness, pain, whatever, is to make sure stuff is on the shelves. And if that means that we have to hold more inventory, if it means, yeah, an exit gets blocked, it just happens. 
because there's not enough people to do all the work to keep all the complaints away. And so we, we take the path that brings us the least amount of pain and pressure and problems. And in the retail space, you want to sell stuff. So stuff has to be on the shelves. And now whether it be a problem of, and I think it's a combination of a lot, one, if there was better pay, better benefits, people would flock to it. People would run and want it and, and run for it and go for it. And at the same time, you look at the pace of work and how much are we putting on a single person to how fast they have to go. And that's what creates those micro strains of repetitive motion, that when you're working so fast over and over again, those muscles are wearing out without those breaks, without variation in movement. And some of that can happen long term and especially when there's not enough people to cover and there's stuff that has been sold and promised to be on your doorstep instantaneously, you have to have something has to give there. And whether it be people, whether it be a different process or how they do it. And that's the focus here that I really want to talk about is I have seen problems personally not necessarily anywhere in particular, but overall, when I look at the staffing situation that we're in, it's hard. We're It's hard to find one good candidates, but we're also, I don't think we're in the price market that we should be considering all the economic things that are happening within the world right now. We have a lot of trouble retaining and obtaining and finding people in human resources. That's something when you read, when I've been reading the articles from Sherm and also other data about employment, there's a lot of interesting data that would suggest that we're just not doing a fantastic, and I'll say the royal we is organizations around the whole country here. We're not doing the best job that we can be in retaining, obtaining, and keeping the people that we should be keeping for a lot of reasons. And a lot of it can be pay uh, that it's hard if you need a certain amount of money to live and you look at, let's say rent costs over a period of time and how much they have increased or even exponentially increased. The cost of food this year has been amazing and in a bad way. And you think then that people need to find work that's profitable, that makes sense for what they can do. And with that then becomes that sense of safety that if my organization is investing in enough people to do the job the right way, there is a very strong sense of psychological safety. If there is enough people to do the job safely there is physical safety. And I'll give you just a very fast example here of unrelated to the two news stories, but still very relevant, is that years ago there was this idea in the chemical industry and, and other PSM-style industries of the lone worker syndrome, is that can you truly have one person working on a shift? Maybe it's just inspections. Maybe it's just uh, keeping up with a certain monitoring or looking at things. And is that safe? Because so much can go wrong with just one person, even medical event. I mean, human beings are human beings. Something could go wrong. 
And there was a big push that there needed to be more people. But when you think about adding a second person, that's doubling the cost of that shift or doubling the cost of that process. And there was so much resistance to this whole second person aspect that there was any push to get around it. Like, what if they had a phone? What if they have a radio? What if they have one of those buttons you push and they get help? And there are some safe ways that you can do some loan work, but you have to evaluate the risk. You have to look at that idea of is there too much risk for that one per how much risk are you willing to handle and there's some process that's just it, it's two people it has to be and it's even some places it's really recommended in some of the technical manuals but then there are some cases where maybe with the right technology with the right communication with the right processes in place it can be safe we have to weigh that, but we have to do something different. We can't just keep doing it the same way or expecting people to continue to do more and more with less and less. That's not the way that it works. And that's going to, I think, fundamentally will have to change futuristically because I see that as something that is going to change with the values of future generations that come in. It's not just get it done. It's how do we do it better? How do we live within our values and our scheme? So I think that's fantastic. Anyway, interesting week because I, this has been bouncing around in my head as I've read this and like fundamentally what was I wanting to get across and it's about having enough to do the job safely. Anyway, I'm really happy that you joined me this week. I also want to say that, hey, coming up in August, I am going to be in Nashville, Tennessee for the Tennessee Safety Congress. I'll be speaking there, be talking about how safety is the gateway to employee engagement. So if you have the chance, if you're around Nashville, I hope you'll come around and see me. I think it'll be a good time. Also, coming up in May is the Kentucky Safety Conference. I will also be there, but I'll have a booth. I'm actually going to set up as a vendor, and I'm going to be talking about how we can lead our people better with that safety mentality. How do we get our leadership involved in, in building up good leadership, using, using great tools, but thinking of from this aspect of how do we create physical, psychological safety that leads to engagement, that creates it. Thanks for joining me this week. I look forward to future conversations. And until next time we chat, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the online conversation at www.markafrench.com. All opinions expressed on the podcast are solely attributed to the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice.
this has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.